get to focus on that, that you're the center of it all. Lord, we recognize it. We know it's the truth. And Lord, we position you and our lives that way. And Lord, we just take a moment if, if uh, there's been some areas that you haven't been the center of. Lord, we just we realign those things right now. Just take a moment. The Holy Spirit will tap on some things. And then you have an obligation and an opportunity to align those things and say, Lord, I recognize that. I see that. And I will do something about that. What a beautiful opportunity. The Lord loves us so much. He wants us in alignment. He wants him to be the center of things because then he's our source. And every good and precious gift comes from him. all of us have been serving the Lord for some time we things can get out of place but so God is so merciful that we can recognize that and just say Lord I see that would you help me align that so Jesus we declare you're the center of it all it's all about you and it'll always be all about you it is a joy and an honor to serve you and to worship you and thank you for being the center of our life thank you for being the rock and the light and our hope amen amen well thank you guys what an awesome um, that was a cool little video it was very uh, encouraging and humbling all at the same time lots of emotions um, and uh, I feel the same about you guys. I love you guys so much, and it's been a, a joy and a pleasure, um, not just me, but my family, to be able to serve you and um, worship the Lord with you and grow with you. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's w awesome to watch people grow. It's awesome to see growth and uh, transition and, and movement. <laughs> uh, and it's hard to see people grow, too. Sometimes they grow, and, and uh, they grow out of this little place, and they grow out into the kingdom and where God wants them to be. Um, but we're all his. Amen? And he's the CEO. <laughs> he's in charge, and he knows what's best for every single one of us all at the same time. And I believe that 100%. There's no, there's no one else that can say that. I remember when I stumbled across that, I think it was a couple years ago here, just the realization that God wants what's best for every single person all at the same time. And I don't know if you've ever been in, so in some sort of a transition or even a conflict or in areas with, with other people, and you just think, well, I'm right, or whatever. That, like, he wants what's best for each person all at the same time. None of us have that ability. We might think we do, but we don't. We always, some way, shape, or form, want what's best for us. <laughs> There's a couple people that are honest. Praise God. <laughs> but he wants what's best for his, every one of them. There's no, he doesn't play favorites. Even those who were in disobedience. You know, he wanted what was best for me the whole time I was running from him, telling him, leave me alone. 
And he doesn't all of a sudden now want what's best for, for me because I'm, I've, I think I'm good. He has his love for me hasn't changed. Whether I love him or not, it doesn't change. Now, his blessings on me will change because he's a good father. Amen? But his love doesn't ever change. So, pretty cool. I, I, I just want to share my heart with you this morning and has been, and it's been for this whole time. Like, um, I so want the Word of God to not just be here, but I want it to get here. And, and even more than that, I want it to come forth in action. Because when you can take the Word of God, and, 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 it, and it must get here, because you've got to be able to understand it, and then it's got to get here. And this is where things begin to change. When it gets to the heart level, then when you start to go from that place and applying the Word of God in your life, that's where growth happens. That's where radical transformation happens. And that's really what Jesus says standing on the rock is. Having a house that's built on a solid foundation isn't hearing the word. It's doing it. It's the action of faith. It's, it's applying the word of God in your life. And uh, it's so cool to watch people do that. It's really cool when I can hear. I know you're hearing it. And it's really cool. Sometimes I can even see like there's a transition happening. There's sudden stirring happening. But the best part is when you see the fruit of doing it. And you can see the growth. And um, church, you guys have grown a lot. And I've grown with you. I, I'm not um, the same person I was when I started this journey. And uh, I'm praying that I continually grow through the rest of this journey. And uh, I hope you get a better pastor next year than you had this year. For real. And I hope five years from now you get an even better one. Amen? All right. So we're closing up the armor of God today. And, uh, well, we're not closing it up, but I think we're going to study it enough for a while. Um, actually, it might be closed up. You, you're going to see why here in a minute. Um, I wrote this just as, a, as an introduction. Now that you are strong in the Lord and the power of his might, having put on all of God's armor, so you will be able to stand against the schemes and plots of our enemy. There's a prophetic word to that. I'm prophesying that over you. You have been hearing this, and now you are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You have put on all of his God's armor so that you will be able to stand against the schemes and the plots of our enemy. Recognizing our fight is up close and personal with the demonic realm. I hope you've understood that. The armor we have available gives us the ability to stand and withstand every assault and remain victorious powerful conquerors now I don't know about you but that is encouraging to me so the reality of this is and I'm going to read it one more time listen to Paul's heart in this about the armor of God finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole all of God's armor the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles and the schemes and the plots of the devil. For we, we're all in the same boat here, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of darkness. Say, that's the, that's the demonic realm. Your wrestle, your battle, isn't it flesh and blood, it's against the demonic realm. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you, see how it goes from we to you? You may be able to withstand in the evil day. Are we there? Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having girded your waist, that means you've already done it. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, which is which the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here's what we're going to focus on today. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, Lord, thank you for your Word. It is alive and active and powerful, and it always accomplishes everything it sets out to do. Thank you for that. Lord, help me to be able to deliver this message the way you see fit. And I pray that we would all not be hearers today, but doers. Amen. Now, the reality of what we just have been studying and walking through about the second week of me studying this, and I've done pretty good. I haven't slipped up and said this. I've been wanting to hold on to my point here, and uh, I haven't slipped up. But I had this realization about the second one in, and I went, really? Putting on the armor is just putting on Christ. Some of you may have got there, like, when we did the first one. But, like, and, and there's nothing wrong with, like, and I do this. I go through, and I go, Lord, thank you for truth, and I'm going to put on truth. And I'm going to prepare myself, recognize that I am in an evil day, so I'm going to be watchful and aware, and I'm not taking a day off. I'm girding myself up. I'm ready. I'm not off duty. I'm on duty. Thank you for your truth. And then I keep going through. Now, that's all good, but I can basically do all of that. And, and what I'm doing in that is I'm recognizing that Jesus is my truth. He is my truth. So I'm putting him on. Now watch. I don't, I don't want you to, to, to think I'm, I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture pretty fast. But turn with me to, to Romans 13. If you don't see Keith a lot, you've got it up there. He's faster than I am. Listen to what it says. And it, in my Bible says, put on Christ as a heading. Put on Christ. And do this, verse 11, and do this knowing, and do this, what? Put it on Christ. Knowing the time. Everybody say, knowing the time. You have anyone say, you know what time it is? You know, if someone asks you, do you know what time it is? You better know what time it is. Because they apparently do. Do you know what time it is? Do you know what day we're in right now? The Bible would call this an evil day. Probably a last day. Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. 
Now, remember, the very beginning of our, when we started down this road, the very first thing I said we, we got to do is we got to be awake and prepared and aware of the time that we're in. This is exactly what this verse is saying. Awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What's he talking about? Your born-again experience? No. He's talking about Christ's return. Our salvation is closer now than when we first began. He's saying you need to be awake. Pay attention. The night is far spent. It means, guess what? Nighttime's over. The sun's about to come up. The day is at hand. Therefore, in light of that, let us cast off, and I'd circle this, works of darkness. In light of all that, we got to cast off works of darkness. That no one's going to do that for you. You have to, in light of the day that we're in, recognizing that the nighttime's spent, the sun's about to come, and uh, Jesus is about to show up. If there's ever a time to be casting off works of darkness, it would be today. And yet the majority of the church is still wanting to argue and quibble over why they should be able to do the evil things that they're doing. Well, that's just religious, brother. Like, no, that's the Bible. A lot of the stuff that Christians do today, and you'll say, well, we're in the dispensation of grace, brother. Yeah, thank God, or you would be dead. Think about it. The stuff that the church does today and Christians do today, if we were in the Old Testament, you'd be murdered, you'd be killed. They would stone you. And we play around with it. Oh, we're in the New Covenant. God bless us. We're in gra- the only reason you're not dead is His grace. You think He's changed His mind about evil and wickedness? No, He hasn't. He hasn't changed His mind about any of it. This is telling us New Testament, like in light of the day you're in, cast off every work of darkness. What that means if it looks like it's even dark. If it looks if it looks dark, and you're a children of light, a son and daughter of light, it ain't for you. This is this is where we're at today. It says, and let us put on, oh wow, look at this wording. The armor of what? Like, see, this is so easy. Like, what side are you on? Light or darkness? There's two teams, light or dark. There's two teams, good or evil. There's two teams, life or death. What team are you on? What colors are you flying? I'll use my old language. What colors are you flying? What jersey you got on? Whose team are you playing on? Whose team are you supporting? Supporter. Support your local. Whose team are you supporting? Well, we can't support the kingdom of light if we're playing with the kingdom of darkness. Paul says, how can you have fellowship? Does God and Baal have fellowship? 
does God and prostitutes, like, would you align yourself to a prostitute? No. Well, that's, those are pretty strong words there, Pastor. Yeah, they're not mine. Scripture. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us, let us walk properly as when? In the day. What's that? In the light. Not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. But, here's that but word, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh. You know, if you make provision for the flesh, guess what it's going to do? Oh, it's going to eat. You can't open up doors and avenues to darkness and not get entrance. You open up your flesh. Not, I'm not, I won't even speak specific evil, just your flesh nature, your carnality. You open up the door to it, you're going to receive of it. Everything that's not birthed by the Spirit is death. Everything birthed of the flesh will die. It won't, it's not eternal. So what do you think birth of, I mean, evil is death. You can't, we were trying to resurrect the dead, the evil. Oh, well, we're going to make it like, it's okay. We'll call it Christian and it'll be okay. We'll put the Christian tag on it. Now we can do it. What the heck? No, seriously, that's so bizarre. Literally, if, if God literally like said, I, it's an abomination to me. I hate it. Don't do it. Like I, in the Old Testament, people die if you do this. Like you just hear of it. You hear it like what? Stone them. It's so foul and bizarre. God's like, I don't want you to have that because why? Because he's such a bad God. No, because he loves us so much. And he knows if you open up that door to evil, you're going to be train wrecked by evil. And that's not for you. I have set you apart. You know how special we are as sons? That's what the word holy. People made like holiness a bad word. It just means you've been set apart. It means you're special. It means you're different than everything else. Like there's heavenly sons and daughters. There's heavenly counselors. They're in a different realm. They're different. Does that make sense? They're different. God has sons and daughters that are in this earth that are different. And the whole purpose is to display his glory. So that people in the world will go, whoa, that guy's God is awesome. And we have the opportunity to do that. And he's a holy God. He's different than all the other gods. He is so much, so much higher. And he wants his kids to be so different. Where they look like light. They look like shining ones. They look like him. That we reflect his glory. And what is his glory? The attributes of himself. 
not complicated. Glory is it's the attributes of God. It's who he is, manifested. It's the manifested attributes of God. And we get the opportunity to reveal our Father's glory. So how will we do that when we're screwing around with evil and darkness and death? That's revealing someone else's glory. That ain't God. He's the resurrection and the life. He's light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness, lust, not in strife and envy, but on the Lord, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The lust, the flesh will fulfill its lust, left unchecked. It's so good at it. Amen? So the reality, I said all that to say, the reality of putting on the armor is we are putting on Christ. You're putting Christ on. And when you put Christ on, you reveal the glory of God. It's And, and it's the attributes of God on display. You ever seen that in people? You see the attributes of God on display. How does someone know what love looks like unless we show them? How does someone know what grace looks like unless we show them what grace looks like? How do we show somebody what patience looks like unless we show patience? I'm pretty sure he did right. They will know you, which means they'll know me for the love that you have for one another. Now the belt of truth. This is Christ. John 14, 6. Listen to this. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the belt of truth. So you put on Christ. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Who's your righteousness? Jesus. Shoes of peace. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Ephesians 2.14. He is our peace. Let's look at the shield of faith. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. Psalm 28.7. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Proverbs 30, verse 5. He's our shield, church. Let's look at the helmet of salvation. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Here's another easy one. How about John 3, 16? Is he your salvation? The Savior of the world. Let's look at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
the sword of the Spirit is Christ. From the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit is putting on Christ. It's putting on Christ. When you put on Christ, when you put on the armor of God, you're putting on Christ, and you're walking out in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm in Christ, and he's in me. And guess what? It's, it's not just Christ in you. It's the whole Trinity. It's ridiculous. We just think about, well, the Holy Spirit lives in me. Dude, you can't pull them apart. The Father, the Son, the whole, they all live in you. Woo! That's some power. Like, and Christ is the hope of glory. I'm putting Christ on. Why would I put him on? Because he did it perfectly, a human. 100% God and 100% man. And he redeemed the world in his humanity. And he did it, so I'm going to use his tools. And the only way I'm going to do it is in Christ. That was a good place for an amen. That was. I'm gonna, I amen that one. All right. All that was free. I've been waiting to share that with you for a while. Praying always. Here's our main text this morning. Praying always in the Spirit. Praying always in the Spirit. Being watchful. Not about you, but this one is always kind of like, Praying always, that just sounds like, man, praying always? Because I don't know about you, but how many of you know some people? I'm not going to go down. Is that all right today? I'm going to try. I'm going to just hang out up here. Um, <laughs> how many of you know some people? They just, I feel, I'm just going to say, I wouldn't even say convicted. I just feel ashamed when I hear them pray or how long they pray. Like, I spent four hours on my face before the Lord today. Oh, good Lord. Man, I spent 20 minutes. I'm the pastor. I spent two hours on my face before the Lord today. I didn't spend two hours. I might have had 40 minutes. Like, you know, like, is anyone else? This isn't that. Now, and I, I used to kind of, I don't feel too bad about it anymore because I'm not an intercessor. There's intercessors that, like, that's their gift in their ministry and their call and they they intercede for hours and they're like they're good at it like i intercede and i have the lord has put that on me at times for people but when i'm trying to be an intercessor and he hasn't asked me to be an intercessor i don't even think he's pleased with it no i'm serious i'm trying to do something that he's like not asked me to do I think he's a lot more happier when I just lay in my bathtub and, no, seriously, like, I lay in my bathtub, obviously don't have clothes on, don't have people take baths with their clothes on, but there's something really cool when you can lay before the Lord naked, seriously, and I'm like, Lord, here I am, I'm just in your presence, and I'm just going to listen. You know I love you. Here I am. I think he's more pleased when I do that than when I'm trying to work through a list of stuff that I'm not fully convinced of I'm even supposed to be praying about right now. So that I can feel like I accomplished something. Well, I got two hours in. Now I feel like I'm really somebody. You're not somebody because you prayed for two hours. You're somebody because you're his son. You're somebody because 
He knows your name. You're somebody because your name's written down in his book of life. Not because you spent two hours on your face. Now, if you spend two hours, don't be upset by me. Add me to your list. And thank you for being obedient to what God's asking you to do. But I didn't shame all of you all for not going to the jail with me for 10 years. Because I was just doing what God asked me to do, and I didn't feel like I should get a big reward for that either. Because I was just doing what God asked me to do. Right? So I don't throw that on everyone else. So we we got to be okay being who God called us to be. So I said all that to say, praying always is more of an attitude than a prayer, than, than a timeline. I'd write that down. We're taking notes. Prayer, praying always is more of an attitude than a timeline. Now, I will say this. I've never had a good prayer life when my attitude towards God wasn't right. Anyone else there? How's your prayer life? You go like, man, I don't have a prayer life. How's your attitude with the Lord? How are you and him? Because I don't know about you, like if me and him aren't good, I probably don't want to talk to him very much. World. Well, I need an organ. <laughs> Man, you could, I could preach good if I had an organ. I'm just saying. Whew, I felt it for a minute. When our attitude is wrong, I'm going to run Freddie run through this, or our beliefs are off, we won't draw close. And what do I mean by beliefs? When our beliefs about him are off. You ever have your beliefs about God off a little bit? When our attitude is wrong or our beliefs are off about him, we won't draw close. Here's something else I'd say. We will never draw close to an angry God. You ever feel like God's angry? You did something? Oh, he's mad at me. Well, I know he's not talking to me. He quit talking to me. I don't even feel him more because I did it. I heard that. Oh, I know he's upset with me. Are you serious right now? What makes you think that? Well, I did something stupid. I know he's mad at me. You don't think he knew you were going to do something stupid 2,000 years ago when he went to the cross for you? I'm pretty sure he knew that. And he went to the cross anyways. And his word says that while you were yet sinners, Christ came and died for you. His love for you has nothing to do with you. It doesn't. You didn't do anything to get him to start loving you. He wasn't all of a sudden like, oh, he's like, oh, check him out. He's actually doing good. Now I love him. I couldn't stand him before. You'll never hear God say that. anything to get him to start loving you, then you won't be able to do anything to get him to stop loving you. So draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. 
We'll never draw close when we think or feel we failed him. Anyone else been there? Man, God, I failed. I, I knew I, you asked me to do that, and I didn't do it. How many of you are all excited about getting into prayer that moment? I'm thinking about 15 other reasons of things I could be doing besides getting close to him right now because I failed him. And somehow I think our relationship is determined on me being successful and never messing up. Now that's human relationship. God's way far above that. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Like every petal is, I love you, I love you. It's not, I love you, he loves me not, he loves me, he lo- no, it's I love you, 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 I love you. Oh, how I love you, I love you. And that's why you were all screwed up. And then you get good, he hasn't changed, he's still saying I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. His tone doesn't even change. got to be good from him. <laughs> yeah, we'll never draw close to him when we think we failed him. Maybe we should quit thinking that. Maybe we should quit thinking that he's angry at you. Maybe you should quit thinking that you're not enough. Maybe you should quit thinking that you did too much for him to really see you that time. Maybe we should quit thinking stupid thinking. Which it is stupid, because this word tells us so many different ways. Like, he literally went to the cross and died for us. Taking all of our shame and guilt so that we could be seen as if we never sinned. So maybe we should start acting like that. Declaring the truth over us. And, and I'll tell you what, it does work. Like, thank you, Lord. I get up in the morning, thank you, Lord, that you see me as your son, whom you're well pleased. Thank you, Lord, that you can do that because you see me as if I never sinned. Thank you. Maybe we could come boldly to the throne room of grace. To the throne room of grace, almost like we might need it. He actually knew in advance we were going to need grace. He knew we were going to need so much mercy, he gives us fresh mercy every single day. It wasn't like, I'm going to give you a day's worth, so spread it out really well. Like, like you got, I got a day's worth of butter. Well, if I use it all right now, he's like, dude, use it up. I got more to, you'll get more tomorrow. Like the point is, he doesn't even really want us thinking about that. What if he wants us really free? Here's why we don't think that way. Because old covenant, and a lot of us are still trying to live in the old covenant, is externally driven. The old covenant was totally externally driven by the sacrifices you made, the things you did do, the things you didn't do. Now, I hope you hear me. I'm not saying that the things that God said he was against, that hasn't changed. He's still against it. I'm saying how we try to please God. 
We're trying to get right with God. The way we would get right with God in the Old Covenant was externally driven. The way that we're right with God in the New Covenant is internally driven. It's not on the external, it's internal. And God was even letting us see that through David. When God called David, he said, man looks at the outside, I'm looking at his heart. We've just been reading about David. How can, how can David be a, a man after God's own heart when he did all these things that he did? I heard those questions in my group. Because God was looking at his heart. He looks at our heart. Aren't you glad? On Mount Sinai, where the law was given, 3,000 people died. You guys remember that? On the new mountain of grace, <laughs> where the first fruits of the new covenant came, 3,000 people were born again and baptized in power. Which mountain you want to live on? New life and power. <laughs> Death. New life and power. Death. I don't know. You know, I'm kind of used to the death. Well, I'm kind of used to that. I'm more comfortable. Well, you do you, boo. Enjoy that. Something else that this one's probably just for free, but it's good. God's more excited about the journey with us than the destination. I heard the Lord tell me something the other day. It was pretty cool. It wasn't. It wasn't. A, it wasn't even like a spanking. It just was the truth. He said, "Son, because I was saying I was doing this for the Lord, doing that for the Lord." He goes, "You know, I really don't want you doing things for me. I want you to do things with me. I want you to do things with me." So there. Truly, he's, got, he's more excited about the journey with us than the destination. He doesn't so much want us to do stuff for him. He wants us to do stuff with him. Now, we won't do stuff with him if we don't believe that he sees us as if we've never sinned. That he's not angry at us. That, that we haven't messed up. Like, like, he has made us right. We are sons and daughters. Therefore, we can do stuff with him. Now, if you don't believe that, and, you're, and, and I don't not, I'm not talking here. I mean, it's got to get here. Then you'll start to do it. And I challenge you to start asking them, like, what do you think of that? Ask the Father. Father, what do you see? Most of us are real comfortable asking Jesus because he's like our friend. Some of us don't like going to the Father. Some of you are really good with the Father. But you had a lot of friends fail you. So you're maybe more comfortable with the Father. You need to work all that stuff out. Seriously, I've been working on it. It's like really good. You can ask, like you can ask Father God, what do you say about this? What do you think about this? How do you see me? He'll talk to you. Like, he actually enjoys it. Now, that's a pretty good point leads up to this. 
He wants intimacy to be a lifestyle, not an appointment. That could go a lot of different ways. And some of them we need to go. How do I live this? People that don't have relationship or want relationship make appointments for intimacy. That's how prostitution works. I want nothing to do with you. I just went here. Thank you very much. See you later. We hear a lot about making appointments for God. And I hope you hear me. Like, if that's what it takes, like, I need to... Like, it's a lot easier for me to get up early and, like, make a, set an alarm. But we can get really kind of weird with that. I made my appointment. It's from 6 to 6.45. And he started, well, it's not 6.45, so. This is what I'm talking about of, of praying always in the Spirit. It's not a timeline thing. It's not an appointment. It's an attitude. It's like it's we're always together. I always want to hear from you. He always wants to hear from me. He always wants to be with me. Like I can literally visualize, and don't get weird, like he gave us an imagination. Like I can visualize sometimes when I get in the suburban and be like, hey, Jesus, how you doing? Like he's sitting next to me. That helps me sometimes. Sometimes when I pray, I picture I'm sitting across the coffee table from Jesus. I find myself talking to Jesus a lot. I've been working on talking to Father God more. And the Holy Spirit. He wants intimacy to be a lifestyle. Here's another one. There's a difference between hearing God loves you and experiencing God loves you. There's a difference between, you know, you can go, most everyone out on the street, if you say, hey, do you know God? Yeah, I've heard that before. Even atheists, yeah, I've heard that. So there's a difference between hearing it. There's a whole other difference, experiencing his love for you. Experiencing his love for you comes from intimacy. Praying always in the Spirit. Hosea 2.14. You guys know the story of Hosea, right? Can you imagine this godly prophet? Hosea was a stand-up dude, a man of God, a prophet of God. And God tells him, Hosea, I want you to go marry this whore that's a prostitute. Now, I'll guarantee you that wasn't, he didn't just jump and go do it. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but I guarantee he probably prayed about that one for a week. Like, wait a minute. That had to have been the devil. Like, that is not you, Lord. No, Hosea, I want you. Yeah, I don't know. That pizza might not have been good last night. Something's up. No, Hosea. Like, and to Hosea's credit, he does it. Names kids. Purposely knowing that she's going to go off on you again. Go buy her back. And he's doing this the whole time so that we would see and Israel would see, this is my love for you. 
I love you so much. And you just keep playing the foster kid. You said, I want to be intimate with you, but you keep going to other places and other places. Listen to what he says in Hosea 2.14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. Woo! Now you can think, oh, the wilderness, that's not good. No, 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 this is beautiful. Hosea is basically saying, and this is the, what the Lord's trying to tell us, look, I will allure you. He could just say, get over here. I've had enough of that. We'd go, you're right. No. He's like, I love you. You don't have to stay with me. He's alluring her to the wilderness. And you're going, oh, yeah, that's not good. No, he's want to take her out of that situation, out of all that chaos and mess where all that's going on. He's wanting to get alone with her, away from all the distractions, away from all the other things, and speak comfort to her. He's trying to pull her away from all the other voices and all the other stuff so he can speak comfort to her. And we can see how he does this in history. And I wrote here, most of us don't want to get led or lured into the wilderness. I like to know where I'm going. Lord's like, hey, let's go. So, all right, cool. Where are we going? We're going to go to the wilderness. Huh? Ah. I don't know if I heard the Lord right. That can't be the Lord. I've been good. We should go to the mountains. No, I want to take you to the wilderness. We think it's negative, but this is a, such a positive thing because it's to leave the bondage. And go to an environment where we can really produce spiritual fruit, like intimacy. We see that in, in the Bible. We see that with Israel. Israel was in bondage in, in, in Egypt with Pharaoh. Where did God take them? Out of bondage into the wilderness. And what did they learn in the wilderness? That he was a God that loved them intimately that he was their protector, he would part the Red Sea for them, and he would swallow up their enemies, they learned that he loved them so much, and what, did, what were they close to? His presence. They had the tabernacle of God with them, a pillar, a fire, a cloud, and they were close to him. And he revealed to them their power, his provision. He revealed his provision. The manna would come from heaven. They weren't working or earning for anything. They were receiving. They were receiving from his goodness. They saw his power. They saw his glory. They saw Moses come down after being with him and his glory shining all over him. They said, whoa, dude, put a veil over yourself. tells me that we can see that stuff too. But we're going to have to draw close to him. We're going to have to actually really believe that he loves us and that he wants us to be with us and that, that he sees us as sons and daughters and we have access. It's through the blood.
Lord wants to love us into the secret place. Away from distractions. Spiritual and natural distractions so we can hear him calling us to experience real intimate relationship with him. Some people are scared to death of that. They're scared to death to be naked before God. Remember the garden? It says, and they were naked and without know where we're headed? Another garden. <laughs> I just thought, I don't know if we're naked or not, but I can tell you there won't be sin. And we can experience that rest and comfort now. But we're going to have to let him draw us away from the distractions from the natural things that pull at us. And for some of us, even some of the dark things. But to press on. We can have a real, intimate relationship. Because here's what I know from my walk with the Lord. Any times I have doors open to things I know He is not through with, I do not have real intimacy with Him. That's not His fault. It's because I have allowed shame guilt and sin to keep me from his presence because I think he's mad at me or I failed or he's upset or all those and and he's saying bro what are we talking about right now you're my son to whom I'm well pleased I've already taken care of that why don't you come get on my lap why don't you let me speak some truth over you? Why don't you quit listening to the accuser? You know he's a liar from the beginning. You know his whole purpose for you is to kill you. So you're going to need to get away from him and come close to me. You do know that's what spiritual warfare is about, right? Disarming the lies, putting up the, fe- the, the, the faith, putting on the truth, knowing who you are in Christ so that when the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, destroy, you go, I don't think so, chump. It's not for sale. And no, you can't have it because it's not yours. In the spirit. So we got praying always. We good with that one? How about in the spirit? Dude, I studied really hard on this. You know what praying in the spirit is? It's not praying in the flesh. Keep it simple, right? Now, praying in the spirit is praying in union with Christ in the spirit. And I use that word union because I used to um, do pipe and lay pipe. A union brings two pieces together and makes them one. So in the spirit, it's praying in union with Christ. I've put on Christ. I'm praying with Christ. 
Ephesians 2. So we have to make a choice to rely on our natural. Here's where it comes. We have to make a choice. Am I going to rely on my natural abilities, my natural faculties, my natural resources, or what the Holy Spirit has inspired in me? You can pray out of all those other areas. And you'll get natural results. Or we can pray inspired by the Spirit of God. You get spiritual results. Now, praying in the Spirit always. Some are going to say, well, that's praying in tongues, Pastor. Yeah, but it's not limited. Some Pentecostals see that's why you got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can't even pray in the Spirit. You're not speaking in tongues. It's not true. I can pray in the Spirit in my natural language. It's inspired by the Spirit. But I will say there's one way I can guarantee I know I'm praying by the Spirit. Praying in tongues. Because it's the Spirit praying through me. His perfect will which I prayed a lot in the tongues last night. My back hurt so bad. I couldn't, it was bad, 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 bad. And that's about all I could do is I'd come to, wake up, and I was just in tongues, praying in tongues. Until I felt better. Praying in tongues. And I got up, and give me first thing to do, I'm moving better. good yesterday. Praying in the Spirit is powerful. But it's not just praying in tongues. Let me say it this way. Any prayer that's motivated by the Holy Spirit is alive, is in faith of God's Word. It's important. Based on His character, you're praying in the Spirit, you're going to be praying in faith. You're going to be praying according to His Word. You're going to be praying in line with His character of who He is. It's going to be coming from a clean and pure heart and from relationship as a son. That's praying in the Spirit. And that's Spirit-led prayer. When you pray that way, you won't be a fearful, hopeless, well, I don't know if he's going to see, I don't know if he's going to see. Like, seriously, I'm just going to say, like, yesterday, it was bad. And I just talked to the Lord. I said, God, here's the deal. I love you. This isn't changing one thing. I know you're able, and I'm in union with you, Father, right now. In this, I'm in union with you. And I'm in union with you, Jesus. And I'm in union with you, Holy Spirit. Like, we're in this together. That's what I said. We're in this together. Here's what I know I'm going to do. I'm going to glorify you one way or the other. I'm determining. I'm making it in my mind. I'm going to glorify you one way or the other. So no matter how I feel tomorrow, I'm going to go minister your word. I'm going to go glorify you. Now, I'd like to be able to be on my feet when I do that. But even if I'm not, I'm going to glorify you. Because you're a lot bigger than this. And your goodness isn't determined on how I feel right now. 
I wasn't praying to be healed from fear. I wasn't hopeless. I'm not a victim. Someone, I think the whole church needs to hear. Well, the God's church needs to hear. You're not a victim. You're a victor. That spirit has been running rampant. Man, if there was, if there was like that spirit right now. I mean, there's plenty of spirits I'd like to kill. Um, <laughs> but that one especially right now, I'd love to just. I'd like to take it away. Because it's such a lie. We're not victims. We're not weak. We're not orphans. We're sons. When we walk from a place of victimhood, we're in unforgiveness. I dare you to tell me I'm wrong on that one. Seriously. Anytime you, you start you start being in the role of victim, there's unforgiveness. It's not of the Lord. It's contrary. When Jesus says, you're more than a conqueror, you're my son. Is, is, is Christ a victim? Was the cross a victim? Jesus gave his life. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He wasn't victimized. He could have called 10,000 angels at any moment and come off the cross. Forgiveness is powerful. When you forgive, you take the power away from the other person. Straight up. When you choose to forgive, you take the power away from the other person, and then you refuse to be a victim. I'm not a victim. I have power. I forgave that. It's not going to have an effect on me anymore. It doesn't have, I'm not in bondage to that. still going to have to get through. I would like to stay there a while, though. Let me tell you. The last part is being watchful. Yeah, you can put that stuff down. It's always good. It makes the medicine go down, you know. Last part is being watchful. How many people see watchmen? They're asleep. Had to put that on there. <laughs> Had to be awake to be watchmen. Alert. Better not have a flippant attitude about something. So serious. Our opponents are not limited to the physical realm. We are real, and the war is real. If if. And who's our opponents? The demonic realm. If they can convince you that you're not right, you're not righteous, you're not holy, you're not loved by God, that you are a failure, that you can't come close to Him, the battle is won. They've got you. You're not going to ever encounter who you really are in Christ. You're not going to have freedom. You're not going to have power. You're not going to be delivered. You're going to be a victim. You're going to have all these reasons why you can't. You ever see, like, there's no place. You, God never says you can't about anything that's, that's about him, becoming like him. Well, you'll never be able to. I'm going to put some stuff out there, but you'll never be able to attain it. 
I was like, no, you can't. How about we say this? How about we need to be awake and alert, and we better not have a flippant attitude about evil? Church? We have such a flippant attitude about stuff that's evil. Eh, it's just that. Eh, it's just that. Eh, it's just that. It's not a big deal. Eh. Is it evil? I mean, these are the questions you got to ask. It's not complicated. I'll just keep it simple. Anytime you're not sure, you run through this list. Is it light or is it dark? Is it good or is it evil? Is it glorifying life or death? Because we're battling with rulers, authorities, evil angels, headed by Satan, who fights for souls. He fights for souls. The battle's for souls. Souls are eternal. So you're going to need to, and we're shifting gears, like, you're going to need to, like, praying in the Spirit always, but being watchful. That means that you're aware that you're in a battle. You're aware that, that there's a demonic realm that's out to, to take people out. And you're going to need, and this is, and you remember, remember when I was wrestling? wrestled with Robert and I wrestled with uh, Mike. You're going to need to get up in the face of the enemy. Like, you're going to need to position yourself. You're going to need to put on those those shoes and your armor, and you're going to need to go get up in the in the face, up, in, up close to the enemy, and say, hey, check it out. This is how this is going to be. You might have got me last week, but I got my armor on. And I'm not alone. I got Christ with me. He's the hope of glory. Remember him? His name's Jesus, and then squealing starts to happen. Yeah, Jesus. You know, the, the God of heaven's armies. And I'm not also, I'm not alone. Like, I've called some of my homies. They called the church. And they're praying with me. So it's going to be a bad day for you. Because I'm not going down. Like, this is how this is going to go. I might have fell for a lie that, yeah, I was less than, or yeah, my father was ashamed of me, but, but that ain't the truth. I'm a son. And I, and I have authority in him. He's given me his name. He's given me identity. I know who I am. He's given me authority. I have an inheritance. He's given me power. And it's not in myself, it's in him. I'm not coming in my flesh. I'm coming in the spirit of Almighty God. I'm not quitting. Some of you need to say that, I'm not quitting. Maybe say this, I'm not a victim. And I'm not quitting. You're going to regret messing with me and my family. No, you need to start getting serious. I'm not alone. The Lord's with me. And I come in His power and His authority. 
You must get in the fight. I will tell you, if you do get in the fight, you're going to take some shots. That's just part of it. You're going to take some shots if you don't get in the fight. <laughs> you might as well get in the fight. Like, you could stand there just, I remember one time at the Raiders game, uh, this guy was getting, there was a fight going on in front of us. And uh, this guy kept saying, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. And the guy kept hitting him. I don't want to fight. The guy kept hitting him. My dad said, well, apparently he does. <laughs> it looks like he wants to fight. <laughs> you got hit about four times. You might want to start swinging, bud. Just laughing, but a bunch of folks out here <laughs> been taking shots. Taking shots. Curling up in a ball. Waiting for him to quit, and he ain't going to quit. Not until you get up and you run him off. The cool thing about taking some shots, though, is you get battle tested. You guys ever see the movie um, We Were Soldiers? I love that movie. My favorite character in that movie is Sam Elliott. Now, I, I really like Mel Gibson's role. That dude is stand up. But I like Sam Elliott's role. That dude was battle-tested. He's a real, I, I read some stuff about the real guy. Jumped into World War II like eight times. Made jumps into Korea. Made jumps into Vietnam. This guy was battle-tested. That's the guy you want to go to battle with. Everybody's on the ground, the bullets are flying, and he's standing up with a forty-five. They're like, you better, you, aren't you going to get like a, an M16? He goes, Basically, I don't want to carry all that garbage in there. He's like, there'll be plenty laying on the ground when the, when the fighting starts. He'd been there many times before. That's the guy you want to be with. You don't want to be with the guy who's dug a hole with his head's down and his tail's up, and he ain't doing anything except for hiding. Church, we need to be in that time where, like, you want to be battle-tested. You want to be able to be the one that's telling a bunch of other people, because guess what? It's not just about us. You want to be telling a bunch of other people that you run into the grocery store with, hey, get up, it's going to be okay. Come with me. You see, I know this guy. His name's Jesus. He's really awesome. It's going to be okay. But you don't understand. Oh, I do understand. I've taken some shots. I'm not just speaking from theory. I'm not just speaking. I'm speaking from action. I've been there. Come on, get up. You're going to be okay. Those are the people that we need to be. Battle tested. And yes, you're going to take some shots. That's okay. Remember, I, I started this whole thing with Eliezer or Eliezer. I will promise you that Eliezer, remember him, his hand cleaved to the sword. That wasn't the first fight he was ever in. He didn't become one of David's mighty men because he was handsome, didn't have any scars, his armor looked really shiny. He was David's mighty man because he'd been in a lot of fights. And David knew that dude's solid. He don't run. And he was with David in this whole field defending that ground and all the rest of Israel army left and he fought till his hand cleaved to the sword and that's how I want to go down if I'm going to go down I want my hand cleaved to the word of God 
to the tree. Because guess what? If my hand just cleaves to the word of God, I'm not going down. It don't matter how many of the enemies are. It don't matter how many demons of hell come against me. They ain't going to overcome me. And they're not going to overcome you. It's scary for everyone at first. I will say that. It's scary at first, but you're not alone. Get in the fight. You're not alone. Something I didn't tell you the first time, but Eliezer's name means God is my help. You're not alone. I wonder if Eliezer knew what his name meant. I'm pretty sure he did. Maybe that's why he was able to take such a stand. He knew God's my help. If all the rest of you run off and leave me, that's all right. God's my help. That was Eliezer's attitude. So let me close with this. Church, you're not alone. You're not alone. I think there's a bunch of Eliezer's around here. I know there's a bunch of battle-tested people. I know there's people who know how to get down and fight. There's people in this church I would call. There was I've been in a church before. My wife would tell you, if my, if my daughter was sick and dying, I don't know if I'd call anyone over there. I'll tell you what, if my daughter was sick and dying, I'd call a bunch of people here. So you're not alone. And those of you who say, I don't, I'm not there, you need to get there. And it's a real easy thing. Get your mind right. You're not alone. Quit being a victim. Quit being a victim. And I, I don't know how to say that as nicely. I mean, just quit. Stop it. You're not. You don't understand. I don't need to understand. The truth is, if you are with Christ, you're powerful. You need to start seeing yourself that way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It wasn't play basketball. It was overcome shipwreck. Everybody that he knew leaving him. People turning their back on him. People that he had brought to the Lord now leaving him and trying to destroy his ministry. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, you don't understand, Pastor, what happened in my past. I might not know, but I know who Jesus is. And I know when you're 40, 50, 60 years old, being a victim doesn't fit. Not if you're a Christian. We're going to have to own some stuff. You're going to have to own your stuff. You're going to have to bring it to the Lord and say, I don't want this anymore. You're going to have to forgive some people. You're going to have to become powerful and forgive people. And quit being a victim. And allowing them to be the powerful one in your life. That's, it's like unforgiveness, is, I've heard, is like this. And I think it's true. You drink poison and expect it to kill the other person. Well, I'll show them. I'm not going to forgive them. Well, how's that working out? Victims like other victims. Victims like other victims because they'll tell them that they're okay and you're right. You can stay that way. Well, you can stay that way. It's okay. I understand. I know. It happened to me too. I know. That's the truth. 
church, we can't afford to be victims, and we can't afford, that doesn't mean you don't have empathy. It doesn't mean that you don't go, that must have been very painful. That must have been very hard. Now what are we going to do with that? We're going to have to forgive. Because you can't afford to stay there. You can't afford to stay there. You're, you're worth way more than that. You can't afford to stay. You're going to have to be a, a son. You're going to have to be a daughter of the Most High. You, got, you, you're, you have authority in your life. You have power in your life. You can't stay defeated. Get up. That's what we got to do, church. That doesn't mean we don't have empathy. But you love someone enough to tell them the truth so that you can help them up, so they can get their armor on, and they'll quit getting devoured by the evil one. It's very loving to help people put their armor on and fight. It's not loving to watch the enemy sit there and kill and destroy or to keep feeding it. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, if I say something, they might get upset. Well, so what? They're dying. They're being devoured. They might be upset with you for a little while. I'm not so concerned with that. I want to see people get free. And you know what? They can come thank you later. Or they might not ever. But if you love them, you go give them a hand. Up. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that there's no way we can do this thing without you because we need to be in you and have you operating out of us. And Lord, we thank you, God, that in order for us to pray always in the Spirit, we're going to have to get out of the flesh and we're going to have to understand who you are and not be afraid to come close to you and be intimate with you. So Lord, I ask right now, disarm shame. No matter what's been done or what has been done, for some people it wasn't even their fault. Lord, disarm shame. Let them hear you say, you're my son, you're my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. I am not ashamed of you. Lord, I pray that you would disarm fear. Your word says that perfect love casts out all fear, and you have loved us perfectly. The word says, greater love hath no man than this, than one would lay down their life for a friend. And you have laid down your life for us. See yourself as if you've never sinned. If you can't, <laughs> you need, some of you need to take off some clothes, some filthy garments, your own righteousness, disrobe from that, and put on Christ. Lord, we thank you. we can come boldly into your presence because of what you've done for us, not what we've done for you. Lord, we let go of trying to 
go back to the system of the law and earning your favor and earning your trust and earning your love. And Lord, we come to this mountain of grace and we just open your hands. Open your hands and just receive it. We received your love for us. We received grace. We received forgiveness. We received mercy. Thank you, Lord, for seeing us as if we never sinned. Lord, we thank you. Lord, keep us awake. Lord, let us see, not flesh and blood, let us see spiritual. Lord, give us discernment. I ask, Lord, pour out discernment in this church. Give us a spirit of discernment to discern life and death, light and darkness, good and evil. Lord, help us to see you rightly, even in those things. I just felt God's not trying to keep things. Everyone take a look at me. God's not trying to take anything from me. The only thing he's trying to keep from you is sickness, death, pain, destruction. And he knows if you play with things that are dark, it's going to have an effect. It, It opens up the avenue and doors for the evil one to come. So he's not trying to keep you from things except for death for things that are sinful, then that causes shame and guilt, and then we, we pull away from God. So he wants us to keep intimacy with him. He wants us to be able to have a, a close relationship. That's, he's trying to keep anything that would pull you away from that away from you, because he loves you that much. Amen? Amen. Well, it's been a long one today, but hopefully you got fed. It's more important to me that you get fed than you get irritated with me for going a little long. <laughs> and I'm just going to say, if it's more important, um, you know, that we get over on time, there's, there's places that do that all over the, co- the county and the country. <laughs> but it's not my, my desire for you that you get fed and you're whole and you're, you make breakthrough and you become more than conquerors. Amen? Amen. All right, you're dismissed.